podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to another episode of the Nina Kauser Show. Yeah, I know it's kind of pre-season. There's not much on. There's no transfers as well. But guess what? We've won it six times. It's been an incredible season. So I thought I would treat you guys to uh, a dose of me and how I feel and what I think. But you know what? It's not just about me. I have two awesome guests with me. One is an an old school contributor to the Nina Kauser show, my James Milner, if you will. Gags Tandon, how are you? Oh, well, you know what? He's a, he's a, six, he's a, he's a winner of the Champions League as well. He is. So, no, Milner. It's I'm not good. Good, good. I'm glad you're on. And joining Gags, um, you know what? I've been busy. I've been signing people. And it, he's, you've heard him many a times on podcasts, but it's the first time ever he's doing the Nina Kauser show. So I'm going to unveil my marquee signing. It is John O'Sullivan. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Nina. I think that's the last time that sentence will ever be used to describe me. So I think I'm going to dine out with it for a little bit. You should make a little sound bite of it. You know, one of them. Okay, guys. So, um, I think it's a real good time to be a Liverpool fan. And, um, it's the perfect time to kind of reflect. And John, I'll come to you first. I mean, how do you feel now that the season's over? I mean, like, it was pretty exhausting. I want to get your thoughts on how you feel now. Are you philosophical? Are you reflective? I said it to Gags earlier when he sent me the agenda for the podcast. I said, I'm, I still feel like shocked, but we shouldn't be because objectively, this is a great team with a great manager with a really good European record. So the fact that we beat Spurs, a, a team like Spurs in the final, who, again, objectively, as the table shows, we're better than shouldn't be a surprise. But I still I still feel surprised. I've been kind of floating around for the last couple of weeks trying to absorb as much Liverpool content as I can. And mm. it still doesn't really feel like it's sunk in. I feel like it will sink in next season when we're on the TV and the commentators keep referring to us as the European champions. I think... That's when it will really sink in, but uh, it's it's fantastic. Jump in, guys. This is a free flow pod. You can't, you can't really add more to that. He's it's he's totally right. What's it's, the fucking point of you then? You... It's unbelievable. It's been an unbelievable season. I've, you know what? I keep feeling like I've talked about it so much, but it's all on AI Pro and it's not on uh, AI side, so it's the first time, I suppose. Um, it's magnificent. It's been a magnificent season. It's you know, some of the games and the moments, I think they're going to be unforgettable. We're never going to, we're never going to forget this year. It's like mm. 2005. There was those moments when you look back and you go, Oh, Steven Gerrard against Olympiakos. And there's going to be loads of those moments we're going to discuss in a few minutes, um, that we're going to go through that, that happened in this year as well. But not only in the Champions League, in the Premier League as well, there was the moments where everyone lost their shit. And I think it was the only, it's, it's, it was the weirdest season because whilst we were doing so amazing, there were so many people unhappy. 
you know, like we were, we were, we were top of the league or we were second, but people were so unhappy with how we were playing or what was going on. At times it was, we were getting the wins, but during the games, I don't think it's been as unbearable. I think this, the tension really got to the fan base mm-hmm. this year. The tension really got to everybody and it made everyone on edge. And you could tell if you judge by Twitter, that is that every, even in the, even in the crowd, actually at times, especially Premier League games, people were on edge. Real, There's a lot real. of chasing though, wasn't there? I think that's what it was. It was always like, well, you, they're winning, so we've got to win. You know, it was yeah, always like keeping up with chasing, the Jones. Yeah. Leading for a bit as well, for quite yeah. a while as mm-hmm. well, which is, which is surreal for us, I think. So uh, we just didn't know how to handle it as a fan base. I think we need to be better at that next year. I know, think we um, will be given the, you know, with what's happened this season, that, you know, you've got European champions, you know, taking to Anfield, yeah. you know? Yeah. I think believers now as well. I think everybody mm-hmm. will believe a little bit more. Yeah. I think, remember, success hasn't really been on our doorstep very often. We've been the nearly men for 14 years or so. Um, do we, do we count the FA Cup and the, the Carling or Capital One, whatever it was? Yeah, the FA Cup, I suppose, was amazing with Gerard's winner. But again, let's make it 13 then. The Capital One's not really much to talk about, um, as a major honor. So from our point of view, it's been, it's been so long. It's been, it's been a lifetime of supporting for some. A lot of the fan base that joined, um, in 2005, remember every European Cup win, or any major honour brings uh, a, a whole load of fans, you know, supporters. And I remember we, I mean, Liverpool talk about it all the time, don't they, on their TV channel with everyone, even new players in. Where were you? I know, when, can when I be honest to... with you? That is one thing I've got interjected to the Nina Carter show. That is the one thing I'm actually quite grateful for because it very nearly got to the stage where they were going to ask a new up and coming kid who's, who's, who we've signed. Where were you when Liverpool won the league? I mean, when Liverpool won the Champions League and they'd say I was being conceived or I wasn't conceived. <laughs> so I'm glad now that we can actually talk about this season. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I was being conceived. Yeah. Sorry. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I can't tell you where I was for that one. That's where it would have got to. So we can get away from that now. Mm. And so, like I was saying, there's fans born and for all that time, all they've seen is second place or Stoke City battering us or whatever, all these things going on. And like I said, in some of the pro pods, uh, it's been, it's been well deserved for not only everyone at the football club, but for every single football fan, every single Liverpool fan, because it's, it's been a fucking 13 years of hurt, man. Real hurt. It has been. Um, and I think the thing uh, I agree with, Everything what both of you said, but I'm going to throw something in now as well and let me know what you guys think about this season. For me, for the past two seasons, definitely, and this season in particular, the thing that I've enjoyed most or where I think the penny dropped that where a big club is, the fact that um rival fans really didn't want us to win anything. And I think we've um, rubbed up a lot of teams the wrong way in that regard and fans. And I think when you do that, when you have that, element of other teams despising you, other fans hating you, sort of um, enjoying your 3-0 loss against Barcelona. And then when you win, they're really quiet and hush about it. I think that, to me, kind of cemented just how epic this season has been and how incredible this team is. And, you know, 
just just the magic of having Jurgen Klopp. I mean, guys, do you agree? I mean, surely when you read like people saying, oh, they'll be unbearable when they win it, they're awful, blah, blah, blah. When you read those tweets or see those things on social media, you must smile a little excited. I love it. Um, I think rival fans know that this could be a catalyst to really awaken the sleeping giant that is Liverpool because everybody knows about their history, how much of a big fan, how much of a big fan base we have around the world, the size of the club. So if we don't spurn the opportunity given to us as being European champions, this could really define an era of success for us. I mean, one or two tweaks maybe in the transfer market, maybe a bit of luck here and there. Um, it's a team with average age of maybe something like 26. So I think we'll be there for the foreseeable. And I think a lot of opposition fans are nervous because once we can, once we get going again, we could be a juggernaut. And, you know, as, as a fan, I really believe that's where we belong at the forefront of European and domestic football. So I think they got the green eyed monster a little bit. And uh, I love to see it. Yeah, Gags, they pretty much um, uh, analysed Virgil van Dijk's errors, and I say in air quotes, <laughs> for, uh, for Holland under a fucking microscope. So <laughs> even if he's not dribble past, they can't do as a dribble past. Oh, look, Bernardo Silva went near him and then got near him and went sideways. <laughs> no one passed him. But yeah, look at him. Look at Bernardo Silva just kill. Um, you know, it's just, it's just. It's not you even fans, though, is it? It's opposition clubs. I mean, I think Man City had a bit of a boo boo. Um, was it yesterday? Yeah, yeah. Where they put the, um, I think Sport Bible put up the new ball for the Premier League, and and Man City put out, you know, yeah, but this ball was the best, and it was a, and it was showing the the goal line technology that pretty much won in the title, unfortunately, but. They thought that was banter, but fucking hell, they were replying to Sport Bible, like, how low, (laughs) how low can you go? (laughs) It's It's hilarious. Shit. I mean, I mean, John's probably seen most of this. I've spent a lot of time on Twitter. I know you do, John. So more than Mighty nowadays, but there, there is some shit going on from City fans as well, isn't there? Like, how much? Oh. They're really, especially because they're under, uh, yeah. It's like ever they're like becoming like Everton fans, weirdly. Um especially because they've been investigated by all and sundry in football. They seem to have got their backs up a little bit and uh you know, they're coming out with some ridiculous <laughs> some ridiculous stuff that makes for good light reading, I suppose. If you don't take it too seriously, which you shouldn't because they're idiots. <laughs> <laughs> they are and it's pretty much Everything that if, if, if a picture of Liverpool or Liverpool lifting up the European Cup is anywhere, that's it. They get pissed. How come their picture's on and, and we did the trouble and none of our players are? Oh my God. Just stop. But I'd be like, if you want to be on the cover of BBC Sport, by all means, dude, just give me the Premier League title. I know what I'd rather have. Do you know what I mean? Like, you're so petty. But like, they don't understand the context of it. More people support Liverpool. More people want to mm. read about it. The context of they've spent like a small fortune on fullbacks alone. The context of they've got one of the greatest managers into a ready-made team. So like it's not as good of an achievement as Liverpool coming from 3-0 behind to beat Messi's Barcelona in the second leg to go on to win the Champions League with like a relatively low next spend. There's no like grand conspiracy about City. It's just no one gives a shit about them because they're a small club who basically cheated their way to where they are. Whereas Liverpool are a historical club with this brilliant fan culture, massive fan base, and their season is a better story. I mean, I, that's the long and short of it. I, I think mean, we've got John O'Sullivan like un- uh, unplugged. I'm loving it. You know what? Give, give him my show. 
Just, just give it just, in. Just mate, just tell us what you fucking feel, man. Just, just <laughs> let loose, bro. Honestly. And you know, yeah. whilst whilst we're having like we're sort of slide tacking into everyone, I also found it a bit annoying slash a bit amusing. Actually, more amusing. Um, the fact that we won the Champions League and not a single Premier League team congratulated us, like no. on social media. I thought that was really petty. Not only that, did you see the England players didn't congratulate our England boys, whereas every other um, player that went on to international duty got serenaded or at least, you know, congratulated in a different way. You know, someone got a cake, someone got, you know, kick up the arse and, and whilst they're getting, a, you know, the, the, the what's it, guard of honour and stuff, it was funny. Reason so got, number 158 why I got spot England. Yeah, and it just, it just shows that they didn't want to piss off, you know, Harry Kane. And I think that's, that, that thing needs to die a death as well. He is not the be all and end all of English football at the end of the day. He's not. He just isn't. The, you know, the, the, the reliance on someone like him is, it's crazy. It's crazy. It and then we, we had this, I had this argument with loads of people, even someone like James Pierce on Twitter when they said, you know, he'd been amazing in the last World Cup because he scored X amount of goals. I'm amazing against Panama. Kind of I'm amazed. Rubbish. I'd be amazing against Panama. Let's just sit yeah. down. Yeah, honestly, and you got two left feet, so it this would is very great. true. This is very true. <laughs> but anyway, let's move on. You know what? Fuck bitching about them. This is our time. This is our moment. We've won it six times. It has been an incredible season. So, guys, I'm gonna come around and ask you. I know it's been a, it's been a roller coaster season, and it there's so many epic, awesome moments. So, you know what, guys? I want to come around and get your I've asked the lads, by the way, listeners, to pick three favourite moments. It could be a game. It could be, um, you know, a player interview. It could be anything. Three moments that stood out for them. So I'm going to come around with your first pick. So, um, Can I go last? Because I'm, I'm, my, my pick will lead into your next section as well. My picks. So if I go last, it's better. All right. Okay. I'll come to John first. Okay. So. I think my first one has got to be Firmino's hatchery against Arsenal. Yes. I, I see he's still not universally rated, which I find absolutely mm. crazy. And I think a lot of that stems from because you can't pigeonhole him. Mm. He's not necessarily a nine. He's not necessarily an attacking midfielder. He's not necessarily a wide player. He can kind of do all of these things at the same time and also kind of be like an auxiliary defense, defensive midfielder at the top ends of the pitch. He's a... He, yeah, he's a, he's kind of a bag of all tricks as Bobby, and uh, I still don't think he gets the due respects that he deserves, especially outside the Liverpool fan base. I mean, he hasn't been an undisputed starter for Brazil until very recently. He started some of their Copa America games, which I found crazy. So I really enjoyed that. I was really happy for him because regardless of whether he plays well or not, he always puts in a shift and gives 100% and gives value to the jersey. And uh, as a fan, that's really all you can ask for. So uh, I was I was very very ha- happy for him. I think Firmino, right, was more rated last season, unbelievably, by our own fan base because he scored loads of goals. Yeah. And this year he's, he's had a bit. Under- he's he's had a few games where he's been a bit off as well. And I love Roberto Firmino. I think we all do. But I do feel like in certain games, like the Arsenal games, he he was electric. I remember we were one nil down, and he just it's almost like he's angry. You know, and I'm just gonna, sh- I'm gonna show you exactly what I'm made of. But I felt like this season, the attackers in general, I mean, like, not all of them hit, hit form together. No, which is still remarkable considering. 
the yeah. fact that they finished second, right? And two of them made the, you know, jumped up goal scorers. Insane. For sure. And there, there was also a bit of flux in terms of position. You saw Firmino play 10 off Salah a couple yes. of times. So there was a bit of moving around and kind of reassimilating to old roles or learning new roles. So maybe it wasn't always as fluid as what it was, but I think it shows the level these players are at that they can kind of learn things on the fly and still be effective enough to be a prime part of a team that got 97 points. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think our expectations are just really high. They are. And I think, you know what the difference was as well, um, John, uh, especially that if you look at Firmino's record, uh, 2000, you know, since he's been at Liverpool, he's got double figures every season of goals, double figures in the Premier League only. So the first season, uh, 2015-16, which he didn't even start some games at the start. He played, only started 31. He got 10. Uh, 35, he got 11 in 16-17. Uh, 37 last year, he got 15. And then this year, he started 34. So much less, but he got 12. Now, the difference is why everyone was so crazy about last year. He scored a shit ton of goals last season in the Champions League. Yeah. A shit ton. And that didn't happen this year because the games were tighter mm. and our tactics were different as well. We weren't as crazy as gung-ho and he's the ultimate basketball player, isn't he? Like, you know, like we talk about playing basketball in our, in our team, our style when we start playing basketball and, you know, that end to end. He's the ultimate guy that gets involved and either breaking up the play or he's either on the end of it or he's starting it off. And that's been few and far between, I think, this season. We haven't had games that have been like that with more. Gone ahead and held on. He's had a few we... injuries this season as well, hasn't he? With which yeah. yeah. thirty-four out of thirty-eight. That's in the league, incredible. Considering yeah. he, I think he was out injured twice this season. Am I right? Oh well, maybe. Sorry, that might include that might include subs. So it's probably thirty-one starts, but still, mm. it's still not bad. It's not bad. Uh, yeah, um, I I did enjoy the hat trick, and it was round about the festive period as well. And you know, I think that's when we were sort of were we on top of the league at that point? Yeah, we were. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so yeah, those were very, very good, feel good vibes. Okay, I'll quickly throw mine in. I think my first highlight moment has to be, um, the game against Man United and Shakiri coming off the bench to scoring two, I think, deflected goals. And oh. I, I could hear Gary Neville dying on commentary after all <laughs> the slating he did of Shakiri. It was just fucking epic and beautiful. And you know what? It was the first time ever, because we played United many times, we've won a few. I remember those games where Danny Murphy scored, you know, a few winners. And of course, you know, when we beat them, uh, you know, with Rafa Benitez and Luis Suarez um, and Dirk Kout, Dirk Kout scoring the easiest hat-trick ever. But it, United have beaten us a lot as well. And it always felt like, as a whole, there's always been like a gulf between us and them. This time round, when we beat them, it was like, you're nothing and, you know, I genuinely felt that, like, oh, my God, we could not be miles apart in terms of where we are as a club and where we're going and where you are. And for me, first time as a Liverpool fan in my life, I felt like that. And that was a really, really good feeling. So for me, that was quite iconic and symbolic. Yeah, yeah. they didn't even deserve their goal. We made a mistake out of that. You know, that yeah. it was 1-1. One, one. We, mm. we shouldn't even conceded that goal. So that we we deservedly. My mum thought she was a bad boy ages. watching that. She thought she was back hey? in it. My mum thought she was back oh, yeah. in it. <laughs> I remember. Because your mum's a United fan, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, John. And sorry, like, just to let you know, is her mum's a United fan? Come... Oh, sorry. <laughs> My dad sports Arsenal, which still. So oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm even more sorry for him. <laughs> yeah, 
Um, oh, but we, we, we had drawn the last two home games in the league to United nil all and just absolutely turned the players where Mourinho had passed yes. us. So when we had scored those goals, it felt really cathartic. I actually got a really bad headache after the third goal because I, I just shouted really loud and yeah. whatever happened. I had a splitting headache at full time. But, uh, it was brilliant as well for another reason. I think it was Fabinho's breakout game. He yes. was brilliant. Mm. He was absolutely brilliant. And that ball to Mane because when he came, a lot of people assumed he was just as like kind of a midfielder that would just break up the play, maybe like a deluxe Mo- Mohamed Sissoko, or maybe some of the other fans might remember. Lucky, but uh, he yeah. kind of showed in that game that he can play too. And that, that ball to Mane was absolutely sensational, completely splintered the defence, perfect weight, perfect timing, perfect vision, and a brilliant finish. And I think after that, he didn't really look back. He was maybe, a, he had a few shaky games at the beginning of the season, but from, say, December to May, he was brilliant. And yeah. I think he's a player we should build around in the coming years, and we probably will. He only had one shaky game, and it was Arsenal, and that was because the whole midfield was just, just Yeah, the combination wasn't the good, right. was it? To be mm-hmm. honest, I, I mean, obviously I spoke about Fabinho last season, and I watched him, his first game, his debut against Chelsea, and once he pushed up and realised that he needed to push up on Fabregas in that game at Anfield, we shouldn't we should have levelled that team. We shouldn't have lost. We shouldn't have gone out of that competition. In the end, it was a good thing we went out because it helped us throughout the season having less games. But the way he dominated that game and the amount of you know presses that led to shots from him in that period of time, what no one else sees and no one else you know collects, I was able to show that you know to to pro at least subscribers that Fabinho was a beast. And was, yeah, was was performing unbelievably. Talk to me, at least. talk to me about thicker than a snicker, Shakiri, because that was my moment. Come on, give me some. Yeah, I mean Sha- Shakiri, right? Whenever he's been asked to come in and make a difference, to be fair, he's done pretty well. Um, he's part of the some big semi final win. He had nine games, I think, wasn't nine games, but him or Kater started nine games in a row uh, in December, and we won all nine, and that's what put us top of the league. And so him or Kato were coming in and out, getting a rest, but playing once a week in that really heavy period. And it was brilliant. It was, it was, it was fantastic. We, they did the job. They got a couple of assists. They were, you know, I mean, Kato didn't, but Shakiri was involved all the time, got goals like against United. Um, I, I wasn't complaining at all. His free kicks were excellent. Uh, we were hoping he'd take a few more. There were, there was, you know, a couple of times at the bar and people were tapping him in like Mo was against Southampton. So. I thought he was effective and then he kind of, you know, Klopp just went kind of cold on every sub really towards the second half of the season and just said, no, this is it. I'm just playing these boys and we're going to get through this. And you can't really complain because mm-hmm. we got, we got a massive amount of points in that at the end of that season and, and we got silverware as well. So it's just a, um, a, a, a horrible, Horribly funded team or cheating, should I say? Cheating the, the way, you know, what do we call it? What do we call it? Um, oh, what Mo called it, I've forgotten, but it's just, that's what's beat us in the end. A team that's got so much money and, and, and resources and limited resources that we couldn't, we, they just, you know, nicked us in the end by a point. Okay. What's your favorite moment? What one, one moment, uh, one of the three. Uh, I'll save the one that leads on to your next points uh, till the end as the last one. Uh, I think Origi's, um, Origi's uh, goal against Everton has yeah. got to be up there as as one of the moments where everyone was in shock. And we never thought that we could top the Mane uh, stoppage, stoppage yes. time goal. But <laughs> but honestly, if there was ever 
you know, so if, you wanted, to, if you wanted the world to swallow bit. you up ever, <laughs> you want to be an Everton fan at that point, don't you really? Because Pickford with his fucking, I don't know, T-Rex. Has somebody um, done a compilation of that with Benny Hill music? Because it needs to happen. Yeah, it's just, it's just wonderful. Like, you know, I, 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 the, the whole Arigi not knowing how to celebrate all season is one of the highlights of the season, actually. Yes. Like, he just doesn't know and what to do. And he scores some well. pretty special, important goals. Yeah, and he just stands there like, yeah, I'm alright, it's cool. And then the other, the other, on the other end, he's not celebrating, but fucking Klopp's running the pitch. And he's hugging Alisson. Yeah. And it's just because obviously Alisson made some fucking huge saves in that game as well. So, um, I just, yeah, that was definitely one of my, one of my favorite moments. And just because of the banter that, that Everton fans got after. Oh dear. Hilarious. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Although it was nearly so surreal that it kind of took me a while to celebrate it. <laughs> it almost felt like a joy, if I remember correctly. I thought, oh shit, I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. Because initially I thought the ball would be over. And then secondly, I thought he'd be offside. And like third, I thought he might have fouled the keeper. And four, I thought he might have handballed it. Because I have never seen anything like that as long as I've watched football. And that's been all my life. Was it, it, was, just... was it Virgil van Dijk who hit the crossbar or something? And he was yeah. furious with himself. And you could see yeah. him. And then it just, he, Pickford's like, you know what? Have another go at me, son. <laughs> like, Virgil like hits a really ridiculous left foot volley that completely bananas off his foot. It kind of bounces off the bar. And you're thinking, what? This has never happened before. It's so far-fetched. Um, and then Origi's celebration is so, like in, like in the final, he doesn't like lose his mind. He's just so calm and it's Doesn't a, he get to pick the ball up? He's yeah, like, what the fuck are you doing? I actually it's, have a theory that he actually doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> it's such a contrast to me. I'm there like losing my mind, like after the goal in the final and there's him just like kind of, you know, blasé nearly about it. Yeah, another day, another goal, whatever. Like, yeah, Everton here, go kick off, get a chance to score, you bastard. What the fuck are you doing? just running to the crowd, jumping, diving. He thinks, he's, he thinks he's got the equaliser. It's like Mane and the three points in the Champions League. Yeah. I'm just in the knockout stages. I'm just happy with the three points. What the <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, definitely. I think that'll be one of the highlights for a long, long time. Like I said, there was moments from this season that you won't ever forget. That was... Mm. Definitely, definitely one of them that the Premier League itself will go back to as they couldn't, like, the, the commentators were literally in shock. And there's probably never been a louder roar. Okay, there has been a louder roar at Anfield now, but at that point, there probably had never been a louder roar at Anfield. <laughs> I like Pretty a good, good shout. Okay, um, John, your second pick. Okay, it's, there's been so many that it's, it's, it's kind of difficult, but I, I'm going to say, the 4 0 over Barcelona. Um, wow. I mean, and inside in that game, I could probably pick five moments that were moments of the season as well, like Trent's corner or any, any amount of these things, but that it was absolutely brilliant. I mean, I, I wasn't at the game, unfortunately, but it just, it felt like Chelsea 05 or one of those games like Saint Etienne that you hear about in the seventies in terms of atmosphere. I mean, the cop was absolutely raucous. And some of these players, you know, that have been there won World Cups like Busquets, PK. Obviously, Messi, the greatest player of all time, they actually look to be kind of shaken by it. I mean, after the first goal went in, you could kind of see them slump. They had a, they had a few moments where Allison made good saves, but like largely they were absolutely blown away. And I think the crowd is a big reason why um, why Liverpool are so good at home under Klopp because 
of the intense football we play. I think they just get that extra bit of pace the and energy from the crowd. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, it's not tangible. You can't measure it, but it has to make a difference. I mean, they were, for that Origi goal, like they sucked the ball in. Uh, the second goal. So I think I think that would definitely be my moment. Mm. Before that game, not to toot my own horn, I was confident that we'd win, but obviously not by the records of scoreline. I was like, oh, we might win this like 2-0. But uh, yeah, we went ahead and we'd done it. And uh, I was telling people we were going through on penalties and they would not believe me. And a lot of people, Simon British included, told me uh, to pass him what I was smoking or whether I was drunk. So, but, um, but you know, it wasn't that ridiculous <laughs> because they weren't that good in the first leg. We were. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were fluky goals, right? You know, like they didn't, you know, beat us by like. The first goal was their best goal, the Suarez one. They, they, they cut us apart for that one. Yeah. Apart from that though, the other two, mm. one was, one, one was deflected off Gomez. I don't think no, not many people have noticed that the free kick came off gold, Gomez's shoulder. Yeah. And, and otherwise, Alisson probably touches it wide, whatever. Yeah. But then the second one is so unlucky from Liverpool, like mm. two yeah. ricochets and, and a tap in. It just could have gone anywhere that You know, ball. you, you're talking about the Barcelona semi final at Anfield, the 4 0. I refer it to Ramadan Day 2. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know that, you know that, that game though. Um, they, I've been so lucky that I have, you know, a, a guaranteed Champions League game at Anfield with my, with my members card because I've built the credits up for the home games. I'm so lucky that in the last few years, I've seen so many big, massive games at Anfield. And, you know, you could include the, the Chelsea, sorry, you can include the Man City 3-0 because we just couldn't quite believe it, mm-hmm. literally. That was so tense, that game, that we couldn't quite believe we were 3-0 up. And then the second half, Mo had gone off, and it was so tense to keep it nil, uh, you know, nil-nil for the second half, so we went through with three. Then the Roma, five goals up uh, in quick, you know, in quick time, and then they got two back. But that going five up in a semi-final at home, it was, it was fucking unbelievable. Like, what the fuck's happened here? And then this year to... To, to beat Barca. 4 0. Yeah. You know what I loved about this? You know what I loved about this game, aside from everything what um, John pointed out and what you're going to say as well? I, one of the moments that really stood out for me was we were being bastards right back at them, like Fabinho screaming in Luis Suarez's face. You know, the old Liverpool would have like cowered and shown them respect. Like, like John said, they're World Cup winners, they're Champions League winners, they're La Liga winners. These are epic, you know, these are some of the best players that are going to take to Anfield. And the old Liverpool would have shown them so much respect. And I love the fact that we were aggressive, feisty, tenacious little bastards right back at them and they didn't like it. That was a nice feeling. When Robertson kind of messes Messi's hair, I mean, like mm. six years ago, Messi was scoring like 90 goals in a calendar year and Robertson was working part-time and playing like semi-pro in Scotland. I absolutely love that because mm. you remember in the first leg where Suarez was laughing at Robertson? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it feels like Liverpool have just kind of become themselves. The players realise that we are a massive club and like we're kind of just coming back to what we are. And uh I think that was a nice little kind of... uh power shift because now we have more European Cups than Barcelona. So. Uh, yeah, that's a really good point. I'm actually glad that, you know, Bayern Munich and Barcelona are sharing the perch now together and we've moved up a step. That's nice. Gags, what about um, what you were saying about the Barcelona game? How was that for you there? Just that game? 
yeah, it's 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 going to be the best experience ever. The the most shocking in in terms of like you couldn't believe it. The the, the Trent moment is one that I would have picked as my next one. That I mean, if I can choose that now as well, mm-hmm. that Trent moment. Watching we obviously eagle eye. Sometimes you start talking to the night guy next to you and you don't you miss things. I reckon so many people missed that goal in the stadium. So many people missed that free kick in the stadium because they either were like looking at each other or celebrating or because it's three nil and you know what's going to happen, what's going to happen, and they and because he was walking away as well, they probably looked away or blinked and thought, what the fuck's just happened? I think Henderson has said all he did was turn around and notice that the ball's gone in. He had no clue. As to what had happened, he had no. There were people on the pitch that had no clue. There were Barcelona players that had no clue what had happened. Mm-hmm. That's how cheeky that goal was. And for a, for a player to do that on the pitch in a semi final, twenty year old as well. I'm sorry, it mm. just deserves all the accolades. If there's a vote, that should be voted the moment of the season for Liverpool Football Club because it's one of the reasons why we we got to that final and we won it. And it's it's because a scouser had the cheek, the cheek, and it fits so perfectly. Had the scouser had the cheek to do that to the to one of the best teams in the world and caught them out. And it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful story tale for a kid that from from local, you know, from yeah. West. It's just brilliant. And as Graham, so as Graham Hunter said on Euro Incision, he goes, you know. And the Barcelona defenders were fucking having a board meeting. <laughs> I mean, the attackers, it was just brilliant. Yeah, it was just fucking brilliant. The fact that they were all there just fighting amongst themselves. Typical Barcelona. I think my second one was, um, just the fact that we're an aggressive team again in terms of we don't, we don't really respect anyone. I like that. That was, cause I think everyone was going to pick Barcelona at some point in, in their top three moments. We just had to pick different parts. Gags loved the Trent Alexander cheekiness. I love the fact that we've got horrible bastards in our team and um, John just picked the entire Barcelona game. Not back bad. Back to John again. Hey, back to back John, to John again. again. Yeah, I know. We're, we're chasing up with John. If he picks what I want, I'm going to be furious. Go on. Uh, you see, the, I think the obvious thing is to say winning the final. But it was so hard not to feel so good for Henderson when you saw him there with his dad, knowing that like his dad was going through cancer and like, I mean, fair enough, a lot of us have kind of given Henderson criticism when he was playing the six, and a lot of it was justified because he wasn't that good there. He's reinvented himself again as the eight, and he's been quite good since, but it is impossible not to feel good for him in that moment when you saw that, when he was embracing his dad at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, after all the abuse he's copped, and a lot of it has been personal, which is, goes way over the top, if you ask me, and there's no place for it. To see him there with his Alman after taking all that abuse and never shying away from it was absolutely brilliant. And you just couldn't not feel brilliant for him on a human level. And I think he kind of encapsulates that squad because of his humility. They're a really good bunch of guys. Really, really likable. No prima donnas. All work hard. No guys that come out in the press and kind of, you know, chat up interest from other clubs. All really work hard and they're all in the image of Klopp. So... I think that really encapsulates the team and the team that Klopp has built that moment. Yeah, I have to agree. I mean, Gags talked to, let's, let's have a little conversation about Henderson. Great on a personal note. And another thing that I really, I was quite happy for him was in the sense that he had the horrible task of taking over the captaincy from Steven Gerrard. You know, in my era, probably the best player to play for Liverpool in terms of how iconic he was. You know, the greatest captain I've ever seen. 
for Liverpool and he takes over from that legend and you know people were always going to compare him wrongly but always going to compare him to that and he he basically came out and you know out of the shadow and he becomes the European champion I think that's I think a nice was, hit as well it is and um it's, it's it's such a tough story for him like on the verge of leaving the club and then you know um with with Rodgers and then becoming the captain and just you know, seeing it through and being the the utmost professional, and a lot of people don't rate just the professionalism of of a team. And I think a lot of people forget that this guy doesn't choose where he plays. This guy is told where he plays, and then tries to do his best. And at the end of the day, yeah, I agree with John. He wasn't the best at what he did, but he he put a shift in and he tried, and um, you know, he didn't complain until until that Spurs game where I think. The, the criticism for him went over the top and people in the crowd went over the top and it, it was in the stadium as well. So it wasn't just a lot of people say Twitter isn't real. Twitter isn't real. This and that and the other, but he got, he, 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 he felt what he felt because of what was happening in the stadium as well as he was subbed. He wasn't cheered properly. It wasn't, it wasn't hundred percent as it usually is positive. And then we went on to win after that with a fluky goal, obviously. Um, with, with, uh, thanks to the keeper, Larice doing, doing some crazy stuff in goal. Um, butterfingers. But yeah, it, it, that, that really then set it off for him to say, look, uh, we've got a better guy in the squad who hasn't played as much this season that can do this job in a, you know, much better. Give me a different role. Give me the role that I had. I was against Southampton, wasn't it, when he came on as a sub and he scored? Yeah, he stayed off the next game. So that literally the next game was Southampton and he stayed, he he, he didn't get get picked. And he came on and scored and let out this massive scream, you know. But you could see it then on the guy's face. And everybody was like happy for him. Even the ones that criticised him were happy for him because no one likes to see people go through shit like that. No one does at the end of the day. If there's criticism, it's mostly, on most parts, it's justified the personal stuff. I totally agree. You should never go there. That should never become a thing. You could say, don't think he was very good here. Don't think he was very good there. That's fine. But, you know, just going personal isn't, isn't the way it should be. So, you know, and players get to know, I think, sometimes, especially at the, I, re- I remember Ronnie Whelan saying to me on a call, um, or to, uh, listening on Trev, sorry, and I was producing one or the other that, um, you know, he used to get shit every week in the, in the, in the stadium every week. And look how we look back at Ronnie Whelan now. We look back at Ronnie Whelan as one of the greatest players at Liverpool. One of them. He was fantastic. What he won was fantastic. He's one of the most decorated and he was very, very talented. But people just didn't see at the time for what he did. So, you know. Think, yeah, go ahead, John. I think kind of this FIFA generation has blurred the lines of reality because everybody thinks that you need 11 fast, fantastic technical footballers to make a good team, but you don't. You need water carriers, say like Gattuso when Milan are winning Champions League. Mm. You need a player played in his proper role. When Henderson's in his proper role, other people can be in their proper role and the team functions better as a consequence. So I think a lot of that might be kind of undue criticism because they don't necessarily understand what he's supposed to do for the team. And now, uh, and now we've seen it bear fruit 
Um, as another nice moment as well is what Milner apparently said that uh, Henderson offered him the chance to lift the trophy together. So again, I think that's indicative again of the humility in the squad and you know the good bond they have between each other. Yeah, definitely. You could see at the end of the game, and you know the celebrations afterwards, how mm. how close this team is, and uh, anyone thinking otherwise or thinking there's any kind of divides, that there, there really isn't. They all really do get on well with each other. Some speak English better than others, obviously, but otherwise, you can see they're still connected. Like Nabby doesn't doesn't communicate probably the best just yet, but. You could see everyone like Nabby baby, Nabby boy, Nabby, you know, like baby boy, Nabby boy. They're all over him. There's no because, segregation of like no, all the English lads all together. Like everyone really, tries, like, yeah. Guy who's in his rhythm, you know, that wants to dance and has his own chill, you know. Nabby just comes across in the backstage stuff as really cool, calm, and you know, it just, it just, I loved, I loved binging on the backstage stuff. Just to see, like, even Lovren, and I'm, people are going to hate me for saying this, right? But as bad as he performs in, on the pitch, I, I found him, after the sale final, entertaining off the pitch and fun to watch, lovable at times. Like the Brate, Brate stuff, oh, my brother, like how he calls them all, brother, and how all the players say it back to him. Like, these little things that you notice that this guy has a place in the squad with like as it is embedded with the other players as as a you know a comrade as someone that they trust that they love they literally do it's it, i know we don't like him as a uh, from a quality perspective but from a human element they all love him they all are really like all over him they, they he's involved in everything so you know even though from a from perspective you can look at things and say oh this 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 not good not good get rid get rid but He's a, he's a, he's a big part of backstage. He's a big personality backstage. And it was nice to see and nice. And it, the time might be coming to an end for him, but you know what? He got, he got, he's got away. If he does, if he does leave, he goes away with a, with a nice gold medal around his neck, you know. He does. So, you know, I'll just, yeah, I'm sure for all of them in the end. That's a, it's a nice little story really for all of them. Yeah. I don't think I can add more to that. Okay, so I'll do my third pick, and I think Gags will probably have a few because, <laughs> my God, the man can fucking talk. I'll come back in really quickly. I think for me, one of my um highlights of the season was um Mo Salah's goal against Chelsea, and it was right after the Chelsea fans who, you know, were doing the um Islamophobic chants and stuff. And first of all, what a stunning goal. And then he just goes into a yoga pose. Like, I loved it. I loved everything about that. And again, hammering them quite easy was was quite um enjoyable as well and it just kind of showed that we were completely different to them but I just love the fact that it was right after their fans were sort of chanting some awful stuff about him you know in a in a European game that had nothing to do with Liverpool yeah definitely uh, I I it's one of the it's definitely one of the highs the goal is it because mm. it's it's such an incredible strike after him being, you know, not scoring many goals. He missed an easy period, one before that, didn't he? He missed he an did. easy, yeah, and he did. I, I, he just, I mean, like you said, I think all of it, the Pope celebrates against teams that, you know, he played for before, like he didn't celebrate against Roma last time in the Champions League, but he had to against Chelsea because they've been so rude in terms of the fans. And I think... It was perfect. The, the celebration was perfect. Like, as in, I don't care what you say. 
I'm too good for you. Yeah, I'm zen as fuck. You, you carry on being dicks. It was something as well I was thinking about when we were mentioning Trent, like the residual effect of this season. So, I mean, you'll have young kids in Liverpool thinking they can be the next Trent Alexander-Arnold. You'll have Liverpool being able to dine out in this win for years in terms of like attracting players, attracting sponsors. And even from like a cultural perspective, mm-hmm. I mean, what Mo Salah means to like Muslim kids in England yeah. and all over the world. And like mm. the example he sets is absolutely amazing. And we might never be able to measure it, but it is a big deal. It's huge. And I was actually speaking to someone about this, actually. And, um, you know, one thing, um, like religion is a very personal thing. I believe that like, I'm a Muslim, but obviously I, I don't practice like, say, like Sadio Mane does or Mosala does. I mean, I fast, but these guys, you know, they pray, they do everything. You know, they, they pretty much follow it that right down to a T. You can, you can, you know, and they're very open about it. And for somebody who maybe lives in, in England, who, who maybe follows, you know, Islam, the faith Islam, right down to a T, um, T and they probably get marginalized by society or, or might be looked down upon by, you know, people who aren't Muslim and probably think, oh, well, you're a bit strange or, you know, you don't quite fit in. And then to see an iconic player in Mosala and even Sadio Mane take to the stage, be very open and very comfortable with their practice and their belief. It's quite nice that even those people have a role model as well. You, you know, because it's like it's like a representative for them. One hundred percent, and I mean the amount of fans that we're going to have in Egypt in the years to come. I mean, we might get the next Mosala. You never know. Did you see that picture all over the internet the night we won the Champions League? A, a very, very humble, modest house in rural Egypt. A little teeny tiny television screen and a family all crammed around it, watching. Probably open like. It was Ramadan as well, so they probably just like opened their fast or they were just eating afterwards and they were watching the game. It was so humbling. Yeah, it's the power of football. It's absolutely yeah. magical seeing things like that. Yeah, it's not just um, Muslim kids as well, Asian kids. I've, I've seen so many kids in um, like around the area or families and friends and all of them just want to talk to me about Mo Salah. Of course. That's all they want to speak about because he's just the perfect role model, like John said. The, the literal perfect and to have that as well at Liverpool Football Club in this era is it just adds that another tick in the box where you know how this squad could be perfect it just adds that other tick that there's also this human in there that's just you know what the shit thing is about him being so good though like Asian parents and Muslim Asian parents like to compare you to other kids it's a known (laughs) thing and you know it's like so say if my mum sees him being a good uh, you know a good do good a Muslim and then she looks at her demon child in me, you know, she, she kind of feels like she pulls, you know, she got the short straw. <laughs> do, do you know, do you know what I mean? Um, I agree though. I think he's, um, I think he's iconic for everyone. I mean, you, you know, you, you see like non-Muslim kids just absolutely, I think he's, he's making people aware, you know, yeah. he, just his influence, he's making people aware. And I think that's a positive. I'll, I'll stop a Mosala now. I'll let you guys take it. Yeah, I think we've covered Mo. That's fine. Your turn. Go on then. What list have you got? Okay, I said so th- I wanted to do the one. I've got too many, but uh, we have to have a special mention for um, Virgil van Dijk against two Spurs players and uh, basically still not conceding a goal. We have to. We have to have that. Because two of the that best was tackles, right? Yeah, it was just. It wasn't even. A, it wasn't even a tackle. It was just letting, you know, Sissoko go on his left foot while he blocked off the sun run. Being smart. And it was just so smart. It was just unbelievably smart. 
So that's the, the special mention. But the bit that I wanted to talk about that led into um, your next part, talking about, you know, important players and, and stuff this season. And I think we're going to end up running out of time in, in the end. But uh, I wanted to talk about one game that was very important, but kind of leads into, you know, your, the, the new boys. And it was against Napoli. And I think, you know, Mo's goal was unreal against Napoli. Um, he struggled against Kudibali and he, he, he really won that battle in the end with, with, you know, perseverance and taking the opportunity. But the key, obviously, um, I think to silverware this season really has been Alison Becker. And I think it starts. Uh, it starts in that game. When you look about, you, when you look at games where Liverpool could have got eliminated mm. from the Champions League, where we needed, where we were, we were unreal in the league as well. Let's not forget. But where we actually were successful was the Champions League. Now, if we hadn't won the Champions League, this season would have been another one of those years that we look back on as the nearly men and the second and the, dep- and the depression would have been real. You know, the only reason we got by is because we got through that semi-final against Barcelona but to get to that semi-final we needed that big save from Alisson at the end but then also in the Barcelona game in the two legs he made some big big saves like literal big saves I think he saved something like every single shot uh, at goal on target in the last three games every single shot so that's the semi-final at home Wolves and Spurs he had to be flawless yeah He, he was flawless like so you you save the team from going out of the group stage into Europa. You save the team. Obviously, we talked about how the strike, you know, Origi and Wijnaldum and, mm. and then Trent's magic. But all of it wouldn't have mattered if we conceded. Those two games, if we had conceded, we were out. Literally at those points, we were out. And And he made massive saves against Barca. And then in the final himself, you know, he, at the end, he, he deserved the man of the match, not Van Dijk. And I love Van Dijk. And I think Van Dijk should get Ballon d'Or. But Alison Becker, honestly, this season deserves mm. all the praise in the world. And those were fantastic moments. Those were defining moments. Those will define the Champions League win in my eyes. And I think, um, what he did afterwards as well, the celebrations just, endearing just you know he's literally possibly my favorite player now like honestly that is how big he's been and how much fun he's been afterwards like watch like mm. i said watching the backstage stuff so for me alison becker has been a highlight yeah. and a revelation yeah i'm gonna bring john into this john um i want to get your thoughts on alison becker i think that'll be obviously i think he has been the standout player but um, the first time I saw him live was, um, uh, I believe it was against Brighton. I think that was game week two. And we were pretty much just attacking Brighton. It was pretty standard routine. And I, and in my eye level was Alice um, Becker and he was, he was in the cop, the goalie in, in the cop end. And I was just watching him and he was literally just doing lunges and doing squats. And doing all this. And it was things that I've never, ever seen a goalkeeper do. But I was absolutely amazed and in awe of it because I've never seen a Liverpool goalkeeper do this. But, like, 
it just shows that even when he's not being attacked, he's there and he's keeping himself alert because sometimes goalkeepers can be quite notorious. I mean, I think it happens a lot to Manuel Neuer where, because he doesn't get tested, when he gets tested, he's often, you know, caught off guard because, you know, he's not keeping himself alert in the game. And I think goalkeepers need to do that. And, you know, it goes to show because he was on his A game against Napoli and, of course, against Barcelona. Um, yeah, that, that Brighton game was actually a game where he flicked the ball over Glenn Murray's head, got it again, and just distributed it. And everybody in Anfield was having a heart attack, and he was just as calm as they come. Um, it's unreal. He's been absolutely brilliant, and I love the simplicity of it, because we lost the Champions League because of goalkeeping errors. Then we just replaced him with a better keeper, and then we won it. So, I like how football can be <laughs> as simple as that sometimes. But, uh, it's, it's just the presence he has. He's a, he's, he's, the same height as Mignolet, but you'd never, you'd never think it if you looked at the pair of them. He's six foot four, but he is massive and he's agile and he's strong and he's, he, he, he knows he has as these well, right? Yeah, he's not afraid to impose himself. And then you have the additional things like he can distribute. I mean, his throw led to the corner that Origi scored from in uh, Madrid. I mean, several times this season he's, he's gotten assists in the Premier League. I'm sure of it for Firmino, hasn't he? Let's go oh, to the stats, a, man. <laughs> um, I think he has a Premier League assist, but either way, his distribution is brilliant. And he's just part of a new spine. I mean, for so many years, I remember being on podcasts here and we were talking about, oh, yeah, we're nice, you know, with players like Coutinho and Mane on the flanks who are creative and we're a nice team, but our spine is so suspect. But now you look at it, it's a six foot four Allison, a six foot four Van Dyke. I think Fabinho is six foot two. Big physical dudes who can all can play football and all have the right mentality. So Klopp has really added an iron streak to us and, uh, he, he is a massive part of it and he's a bargain. That 65 million he costs is an absolute bargain because hopefully if we keep at the level we have, we'll have him for five, six, seven more years. I can't argue with that. And I think we all agree that he has been absolutely incredible from, from all the new seasons. And, you know, fair play to him as well, because, you know, goalkeepers even need a, a period of settling in and adjusting. And he really didn't need it at all. Yeah. He, and he had that game against Leicester where, you know, oh, all the commentators were like, oh, that was a bit off. He shouldn't have done that. You know, he's taken too many touches, but I feel like he's the kind of goalkeeper that learns and just gets better. I don't have a problem with him whatsoever. I think he's incredible. And I think your boss spot on. Yeah. You had problems with the goalkeeper just replace him with a better one, pay the fee. And you know what? It goes to show. And I have to say, we actually spend our money pretty well. You know, we bought the best defender. We now have, in my opinion, the best goalkeeper in the Premier League. How he was in the, you know, PFA team of the season is absolutely beyond me considering he won the the Golden Gloves. It's just madness. Right, guys, let's move on. Let's quickly talk about the thing that we won. It was, it was the Champions League, no biggie. I mean... Gags, I'll come to you. I mean, there was strong, like, I think people like Gary Neville even said Liverpool should, you know, drop out the Champions League if they want to focus on the league. But, you know, this Jurgen Klopp side is really special. It challenged on two fronts for the league till the last game of the season. I mean, that is testament to the mentality to the players and Jurgen Klopp. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it's, 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 the team, this team, is special. It's unbelievably special. And I have to say that 
it's possibly the best team we've we've seen. Even for our... you. Yeah, because when I when I saw the big team when I was a kid, mm. did I really understand what was happening as an eleven year old? I don't think you do. I think you. They are. They were brilliant, but they never got ninety seven points and got to a Champions League final. Yes. Yeah, they won the league, and it's better. It's bigger, but. Did they have a Man City breathing down their neck? It's all different, I suppose. It's very hard to compare years and, was, but and then eras. Liverpool, but Liverpool were like the the best team, right? You were spotting. They the, were the, the best, best team, yeah. but this team, this team still has done something no other Liverpool team has done in terms of the num- total number of points, the consistency, um, you know, and then and then to go so far in the Champions League and win it the way they did, coming from from nowhere, from the dead. You know, against Barcelona, against Messi, the greatest, you know, maybe ever, you know, arguably ever. And, you know, it could, it could go down as one of the best Liverpool, it has to go down as one of the best Liverpool teams. I mean, I'm so glad that they won the Champions League because now that they're in the conversation, had they not won it, they would have been one of the best teams to not have ever won anything. And it would have been such a fucking shame. It would have been such a shame after last season as well, because they, over the two years, Nin, they've mm-hmm. hit two Champions League finals. It's very rare to do. Only the best in Liverpool's history have done that. Yeah. The ones that won it back to back, you know, or lost it. One, one, lost one. That team, 84 and 85. They Even did it too. a pretty terrible one won a Champions League. Let's be honest. 2005. Yeah, they were know. terrible. <laughs> that's, why, that's why you can't, that's why you can't have them. The only great thing about 2005 was winning it and, and the, the comeback, the story, and against the, who? the romance. Yeah, all of that was beautiful. And obviously, Gerard Carragher, they deserved it. Yeah. For their, for their time at Liverpool, they deserved the glory. Oh. But this team is special. Yes. It's special in what they can do on the pitch. This manager, who we haven't even mentioned once, is special. Hey, you don't you know? need to fucking tell us. I know, but what I'm trying to get at is that that's why it becomes... One of the best things we've seen in 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 in, in a long long time. You know, two Champions League finals. We should have won last year as well. We would be talking about one of the best teams ever from a Liverpool perspective had they take got that over the line last year, mm. and had they then won the league at very close margins, tight margins. You know, this is there is no argument. There is no argument in what they achieve if they get ninety seven points and win the league and win the Champions League. People are just like. Fucking hell. Yeah. Unreal. Mm. So why aren't they now? Just because they came second to a team that's, you know, financially doping. That was what I was looking at before. So, you know, no one can, no one can tell me that they're not financially dope, doped that team, that city team. So, um, from my point of view, yeah, it's, they can play any type of football. They can slow it down. They can speed it up this season, especially they, 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 they managed games so brilliantly, Nin. So brilliantly that they deserve that praise. I don't know whether you two agree with me or not. Oh my God. Do we agree with you? John, I'm going to come to you. Gag's made some really excellent points. I'm going to get your thoughts on this. But he said it would be such a crying shame if this team didn't win anything. It is unique and it's special. I mean, he's seen, you know, um, the dog Lee Shaver. He's seen, you know, them win. Championships, I haven't. I assume you haven't as well. This is probably the best Liverpool team I've, you know, I've seen win something. The one that didn't win anything that I thought was truly great was Rafa's, um, 
Rafa's team um, back in, oh, was it 09? Yeah, 09. That, oh, wait, 09. 08, 09, who failed to win the league. Yeah. And that still hurts me because before this team, that was their best team I saw in the Liverpool sense. But now we have this. Talk to me. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I'd agree. I'm the same as you. Previous to this, the best Liverpool team I'd seen was 08, 09. They were so unfortunate not to win the title as well. I felt beating United twice. I think they only lost twice in the league all season. And like us, it was more or less the draws that killed them. But um, the difference between now and then, thankfully for like our generation of fans, is that our owners won't pull the carpet from underneath us. You know, there won't be turmoil in the boardroom. There won't be, you know, the likes of Benitez, like not getting on with some of the higher-ups of the club. I mean, the synergy between Klopp, between Linders, Kravitz, the Michael Edwards and his team and John Henry, Mike Gordon, everyone, everyone is pulling in the same direction. There's a common goal. And, you know, that hasn't always been the case. It's, you know, there's a lot more to the club than on the pitch and off the pitch. We're in an absolutely brilliant position to capitalize on this season. So not only are they the greatest team, I think that I, I've ever seen, undoubtedly, I think they can go on because they have all the resources there to become maybe one of the greatest Liverpool teams anyone has ever seen. I mean, the talent is there. And I mean, we know we have the analytics and the financial muscle to add more players to make it even better. And that's what's so exciting. Couldn't agree more. Right. Um, uh, guys, last little bit. Um, I know we said we're great. But you know what? In order to be great, you've got to stay at the top. And to stay at the top, you've got to keep investing, keep buying the best and, you know, push yourself even further, strive for perfection. So, John, I'm going to come to you. Um, I mean, who would you like to see Liverpool buy? Who do you think Liverpool will buy? You know, where do you think they need to strengthen? <laughs> There's absolutely no information coming out of the club, so I'm not sure who they are interested in, but I... Um, what we have been kind of, kind of tentatively hinted towards is maybe versatile forward and a backup left back to replace Moreno. Mm. Frank, personally, I think we probably need more than that. Maybe we need someone else in midfield because if you look at next season, there's the Super Cup, the Community Shield, the Club World Cup, and I mean, it's not that Klopp puts too much value on the domestic cups, but I don't think he ever tells his team to go out and lose. And we got unlucky draws. We got Wolves away and we got Chelsea in the League Cup. So. There's a good chance, provided like the draw is better, that we could go further in the in the domestic cup. So that means we're going to have a lot more games next season after players come back from the Africa Cup of Nations, after players come back from the Copa America. So I know there's been like the likes of Alex Oxlade Chamberlain and Ream Brewster coming back, but I think we just kind of need to add a little bit more to the squad in terms of just not burning out certain players. And even added to the fact that we need just a little bit more quality in certain areas. So I think we probably need to get three or four in. And especially if other players leave. I mean, because Lovren is uh, rumoured to be leaving. Mignolet is rumoured to be leaving. So it might be a much busier summer than anticipated. But for me, I definitely like a backup left back. One more in midfield. Maybe a centre half and then a forward. And I mean, that's added to a squad that got 97 points and won the European Cup. But... The bar is so high. We saw today City might be signing Rodri from Atletico Madrid and Joao Cancelo from Juventus. So, I mean, we want to win the titles. So, I mean, they set the standard and we're going to have to try and match and exceed that. And uh, the only way to do it, I think, is by adding a couple more on the markers. But, you know, nothing huge because 
like we've been mentioning for the last hour or so, the bones are there of an excellent side. We just need a little bit of fine-tuning. Yeah, a little bit of fine-tuning in Killian and Beppe. Gags, come on, talk to me. I think something's going on at Liverpool for sure because, you know, this is a team that surprised us last year with, with Fabinho and obviously there's rumours that that took a long time to get done, 10 months or so, and they were talking to him for a while. But, you know, so... Maybe, maybe things have been going on with other players for a while. Maybe Liverpool just thought we'll see how the end of the season goes, what we can go for. But something's definitely going on. We're not going to be quiet. It's just, um, it's too, it just wouldn't be Liverpool really to, to, to not grow. All the rumours of people saying there's not enough money or, or, you know, there's money, but he doesn't want to spend it. I don't think he can afford to do that when, you know, players have gone. Quite a few left, you know. There's two, a left back and a striker gone. Didn't John yeah, W. Know. Henry before the final say it hurt us that City won the league and we're going to invest? Why would the guy say that he never talks? He's not going to, exactly. you know, talk empty, exactly. is he? Let's be exactly. honest. He's not going to talk shit. And at the end of the day, what Liverpool, Liverpool want to improve. Not regress or stagnate, and that's not what that's not what it's about. And the thing so, is, as well, now not only will we have like the money and the the owners and the manager. Let's not forget, we're yeah. European champions now. People yeah. want to come to us, you know. Like you know, before, like I'm not being funny. Do you remember when we couldn't sign Conor Priyanka? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or Luke and, Young turned us down. Yes, exactly. Clint Dempsey fell through. And now we can talk about Kylian Mbappe and it it's somewhat believable. Yeah. I mean, you got to strike when the iron's hot. We can't pass up this opportunity. I, I mean, you ha- wouldn't have seen it because he was on Irish TV, but in the f- after the final, Graham Sinness was on Irish TV. And he said even when he was there in the great teams under Paisley, you never rest. Every summer you add one or two more. Keep going, keep going keep evolving because we don't want to get to a scenario where we're like Real Madrid this season where like it all just kind of falls apart because everybody is old at the same time. Or AC but, Milan, they did that as well. They stuck yeah. with the formula till it was practically in wheelchairs. Exactly. But I, I just can't see people as savvy as Michael Edwards allowing that. I just think Agreed. we're just... I, Liverpoolers are said to be at the vanguard of football analytics. So I just see us being way too smart to allow something like that to happen. And, you know, a lot of people talk about how sentimental Klopp is, but he can be ruthless when he wants to be. I mean, if he was this, you know, smarmy, overly sentimental guy, he probably would have stuck with Carius, but an opportunity arose for him to sign someone better, and he took it because he wants to win. And I'm sure if something like that happens again this summer, which the opportunities are probably more likely because we're European champions, they'll take it. So just because there's no smoke in this instance in terms of uh, rumours doesn't mean there is a fire. So hopefully we capitalise on this. Absolutely. Dad, anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just, we're just too savvy, too savvy to let a summer go without, without improving the squad at least. Maybe not the first 11 then, but the squad at least. There's players like Ox coming back in. Let's hope he gets back to being at his best. Um, you know, there's a list of players going out still. Lovren Klein might go. That really, that really takes away some of the squad. Um, you know, we did miss, actually miss Klein when he left. It was scarily enough, not towards the end of the season, but in that mid part, that defensive part where we let him go in Jan, it was crazy, you know, playing odd players at right back. 
um, for a few games. It was, um, and we got through them, but it was, it was scary times for us as a fan base. We'd, we'd like to see a bit more strength in depth. So, um, is there going to be another fullback? Is Milner going to be used at left back? I mean, you know, what are we going to do? So at the end of the day, we need to, we do need to, I mean, is the lick going to, going to be one of those players? Or is there, it's all, is it all mind games? Is it all games in the press with his, with his wages and he hasn't signed for anyone yet? What's going on? Are, are PSG waiting for Neymar to leave for, to sign him because they can't afford to afford it otherwise? One signing's got to be the catalyst here this summer of everything just exploding everywhere, I think. So, um, something's gonna, something's gonna give, something's gonna happen. And I, I, I actually hope it's us, you know, that does something. There's all this fun about Mbappe and stuff. Yeah. In the real world, we don't believe it at all, but, um, yeah, speak for yourself. In a, in, in a world where Liverpool are the most savviest club in the world, then something crazy could fucking happen. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not likely. And obviously the, the owners come out and said, you know, that he's not going anywhere. And Neymar's the one that looks like more likely to go back to Barca. So there's players out there. Bruno not announced to go anywhere. Um, there's so much going on. Would you take Coutinho? Uh, I would take Dembele actually, which is more likely. Mm. Now, I don't think yeah. Coutinho would, um, suit. I think Coutinho suited us, but we, we kind of shoehorned around and, and he was brilliant, unbelievable. But I think Klopp doesn't go back very well. But I think Dembele offers you an option that's mm. a light for light replacement for your wing, you know, yes. for your, for your, for your wingers Agreed. that can come in and, and speed and, and counter and football and skill and finishing and, ah, oh, John, you, you're, you're the guy who does this stuff. Talk to us. I, I think. I think if we like agree to make Dembele move in with Mane and Mane to be his dad, then because like, <laughs> he loves Mane. If you go through uh, Usman Dembele's social media feed, it's like loads of instances of him tweeting about Mane and love heart emojis. And I don't know his origin. But won't care to suffer from middle child syndrome if that happens. <laughs> yeah, the two lads living with Mane would be hilarious. <laughs> You could make you could make a sitcom out of that. There's been worse shit on TV over the years, to be honest. True. Mate, and I tell you what though, that's a great shot. I didn't know that about uh, Dembele that he loved I, him. Yeah, I don't know his origins, but he could well be of uh, Senegalese like descent. But uh, he definitely loves Mane, and you know a lot of his problems at Barcelona have been kind of stemmed from being a little bit unprofessional. But he's a relative child; he's like 21. So I but mean, you know what? That's sometimes when you're alone as well. Yeah, you don't have the support. I don't think this squad's unsupportive. Yeah, I think, I, I think this squad makes you feel, look at, look at Shaq. People said that Shaq would be, you know, yeah. a, a twat, but Shaq's been nothing but gold. And yeah. Klopp said it as well. He's not moaned once. He's taken his, taken chances. He's come on. He's happy. It's same with Origi as well. Anyway. You know, none of them have grumbled, you know, whatever part they played. Really yeah. Professional. Mm-hmm. And like, he has people that can speak so, French in the squad. He has a like, West African Muslims from a similar oh, background. I love Nabi and Mane. You know, it, oh, it could make the assimilation right. much easier. And Klopp loves him, right? Yeah, also, like, who wouldn't want Klopp to be, like, their adopted dad? Like, I mean, come on. Yeah. I think I know for a fact the club does a lot with players when they're new and loads of people try to look after them. Even, like, if you see when the, when players leave, like, Studge, they thank people that are behind the scenes, like the canteen ladies, yeah. for treating them like their kid, you know? Like... That type of shit just makes me melt. Yeah. Small moves. Like, you remember when they built the prayer room at Melwood because they had so many Muslim players. It's little, mm. tiny little things like that that yeah. make a big difference. 
Yeah, massive. Massive. I, you're right. It just shows how they're trying to build that family atmosphere and certain players could thrive in this. I think he could be one of them. We could make him into a fucking world-class world-beater again. And remember, at Dortmund, he was... Wow, people wowed about him. Like, literally wowed. Mm. And I think once he joins a club like Liverpool, they don't really want to... Unless, obviously, like, they, you know, come from South American descent and stuff, want to go to Barca, Real and stuff like that. But if this player comes from Barca, he's been there, done that, and it's not been as green as people think it is, Yeah, you know? I think, so it, I think like, it came too young for him as well. He had, was oh, it yeah, one season at, at Borussia Dortmund or two tops? I can't remember. But, you know, he didn't He didn't stay there long, did he? It, it's funny because Barcelona signed him because we wouldn't sell Coutinho to Barcelona that summer. Mm-hmm. And Klopp kind of made it in such a way, I remember reading it from Raphael Honigstein, that um, they said that they, they would basically make Dortmund extort massive money out of Barcelona because Coutinho wasn't going to go there then. So uh, he's kind of had a lot of flirtations at Liverpool in the past, so I'm sure he's been on Michael Edwards' laptop a good few times. So uh, let's see if something could happen, because apparently Barcelona still owe Liverpool money from Suarez and even Coutinho. So. Fucking hell, dead-ridden yeah. bitches. Yeah. <laughs> right, guys, I think we've pretty much covered anything. Is there anything else you want to... Any last business you'd like to discuss, Gags? No, I'm good. It's been great. I've, uh, it's been nice to talk about. Good, fun stuff. Just wish we'd signed a player by now. You know what? It'll probably happen now. Like, right now, whilst we're doing this part. What about you, John? Anything that you feel that like needs to be mentioned for this season? You can just get it out there. Just how enjoyable it was and how they, like, how Klopp's effect in the club. I mean, we'll be seeing in years to come. I think he's the best thing that's happened to probably the club since Bill Shankly. So mm. just very, very grateful as a fan that he's here at the minute. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And, you know, for him to, um, lift the big ears as well. Just beautiful, beautiful. Right, guys, that is the end of this Nina Kaza show. I'm going to try doing this quite frequently over the summer. Weekly. Fine, I'll try a weekly thing. <clears throat> I'll have different guests on, but um, I've really enjoyed this. So a massive thank you to Gags and John. Before I let them go, I'll let them let you know where they can, where you can find them on Twitter. John, where can people find you on Twitter? At Notorious JOS. And don't worry, I won't let you down with a treat frequently, so you'll get value out of a follow. Absolutely. Do follow him, and you'll be hearing him a lot more on AI. Am I right, Gags? Oh, absolutely, no doubt. Especially if he's like, you know, when he started the pod, kicking the shit out of people. That's perfect. I might just give him this show. I'd be like, you know what, take it. <laughs> the Nina Kyle show hosted by <laughs> Notorious Joss. <laughs> what the fuck? Just take it, do what you want. You have creative <laughs> license. What about you, Gags? Anything you'd like to plug? Where can people find you? At Gags Standard on Twitter, as you will know. If you don't, uh, then yet yeah, check out AI Pro. Um, $4.99 a month, $39.99 a year at the moment. And it's, uh, that's, that's, that's a special offer. Amphrodindex.com forward slash join. There's also Discord, which is available to everybody, not just subscribers. So if you, um, do not subscribe to AI Pro, you can still join Discord, Amphrodindex.com forward slash Discord. We chat about there about transfers. There's a transfer place where everyone just, you know, puts all the news in. So it's just a, kind of a private area, really. Um, it's, it's, there's an app for it as well. You can do it on a web, you can, you know, use it on a web browser. Very, very simple to use. Very easy. 
um you know so it's it's a it's a nice place lot, lot all of us contributors are there all of our subscribers are there and um yeah it's a it's a nice little community that's growing um a nice little liverpool fc community there's like television stuff there's cricket everything there's loads of stuff you can talk about loads of different things in different groups so yeah come and check it out um but yeah if you're a subscriber yeah, i promise as well, more for you once you join if you let me know because there's private areas in there as well which um are just open for the subscribers alone and this show usually when um when there's games on is live immediately after the the game just for subscribers but then released uh an hour later onto this feed as usual so yeah there's loads of benefits as well. Live shows happen on AI Pro, um, especially in season more frequently. So if there's a signing or something like that this summer, I'm sure, I'm sure there's going to be a live show immediately after to go a bit mental. So yeah, make sure you join, uh, not only AI Pro, but the Discord. So those two links again, AI Pro, uh, anfieldindex.com forward slash join and then, uh, anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. That's D I S. C O R D Discord. I thought you were so, gonna go uh, yeah. D I S C O. Sorry. Shut up. <laughs> no, it's not disco. It's Discord. I know okay? it's a fucking tune, by I, the way. I know, man, but I just don't want to confuse people. Stop confusing people. They won't get confused. Discord <laughs> people, right? Thank you so much for um, listening. I hope you enjoyed that. I'll be back next week again with another episode with some more guests. Till next time. Enjoy being European champions. Enjoy it. Don't let anyone tell you you're rinsing it or milking it. Fuck them. They don't know how it feels. Till next time, up the reds. Podcast Network.